Welcome to Soul Food, a podcast ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. I was coming out, true confessions, I came out for the Fiddler's Convention in, uh, in, uh, in Taswell. I hadn't seen my dad for a while. Some of you guys know my mom went to be with the Lord last year. And um, Philip, my son is with me, Philip, and uh, Philip was 10 when we came here so, years ago. Now he's teaching high school in Tennessee. But... Uh, I was telling my son, I said, you know, you've come full circle when uh, the piano player over here, you dedicated as a baby. <laughs> That's the truth. I did. I dedicated her as a baby. And uh, some time back, uh, we came here in April of 2000. I was, where's David? Where's David? Oh, I was 39 years old when I came here. And that was uh, 21 years ago. But so uh, the Lord has been very good to us, and it's always a joy to me to come to this fellowship uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, mostly just for the fellowship to see you guys, because uh, you are a joy to me. And I think often of how Paul wrote, you know, to the people that he had been in fellowship with, and how he had spent so much time with, and how he just loved them, and and that's what it was about, really. That's what it was about. And uh, today. Um, If you will stand with me for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to read uh, four verses, okay? Luke 11, chapter 1, is a passage familiar to most of us, I'm sure, if you've read the New Testament. It says, Now as it came to pass, meaning as he was praying, meaning Jesus, now, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for this sacred time we have together in the house of the Lord with the saints. And I pray, Lord, that as we uh, look to your word today, that we will not just hear the words of a man, but that we will hear your Holy Spirit speak to us, because that's what we need in these days. So, Lord, uh, just give us the grace to set aside any distractions that are in our lives right now, any apprehensions we might have, anything we're worried about or that's pressing on our minds. Let us just commit this time to you that we might hear you because we know that the things you have for us are what we need and that they're for our good and for your glory. So we thank you for all these things in the name of your dear son Jesus that makes it all possible by his blood on the cross. Amen. You can be seated. I want to ask a very foolish question this morning. Does anyone here ever have difficulty being a Christian or obeying the Lord? Anybody? Besides Bill? Here it comes, Bill. Do you ever feel like you honestly don't even know what you're doing? I've been a Christian 41 years. I saved when I was 19. And you think, what am I doing, Lord? You know, what, what's going on here? Do you even feel like you don't even understand some of the basics of following God? Understanding the Bible, how to pray, how to obey, how to have strength, how to have courage, how to t- 
turn from sin and just do the simple things that the Bible teaches us to do. I think we all struggle with that because we're weak. We're flesh. God knows it. God knows what we're like. He understands our frame. says he knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. He knows what we're made of. You don't ever surprise him. You know, sometimes we think, oh, he's never, he's made his match with me. No. You know, we think our, somehow we think that our stubbornness or our sin is greater than God's power. And that's a, that's a very unwise way to think. But most of us probably struggle. I think we all do. I have pastor friends, missionaries, and worship leaders, and, and we all struggle. We all struggle, and we need God's help. Well, when we struggle like this, we're in good company because that's what the disciples did. They came to Jesus, and they asked him, teach us to pray. I go to the doctor. Um, sometimes my brain glitches, and in uh, six years ago this month, I had a heart attack. I spent three nights at Vanderbilt Hospital in Tennessee, and the biggest thing that it messed with was my memory and my clarity and my thinking. So if I don't remember things, y'all forgive me. Um, but, um, you know, my wife says you can't uh, blame everything on the heart attack and because uh, I, I have a tendency to do that sometimes. But um, I go to the doctor, you know, and I know what to do. I just don't do it. Anybody relate? He says, eat the right stuff. Don't eat the bad stuff. Get off the couch. Get up and walk around. I, I know. I could tell him. I could. You know? It's just like sometimes when you come to the pastor with your problems, and you could tell the pastor what you need to do. Right? But sometimes we just don't do it. So so I think it's very interesting that they, they came to Jesus. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Sometimes we don't need to learn how to pray as much as we need to just do it. Just do it. Be honest with God. The best prayers that I have, I'll be honest with you fellows and ladies, is when I'm at the kitchen sink and I'm I'm cleaning up or I'm walking around the house and doing chores or I'm driving in my car and I just talk to God in a normal voice like He's there in the car with me. And sometimes I fuss, but He can handle it. You know, he doesn't go, oh my, he can't say, oh my gosh, I don't know what he would say. But he, he, but, 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 but he, he doesn't get surprised or offended by anything I say. If I'm aggravated or frustrated or angry or, or disappointed, he knows. And if you look at the prayers, especially in the Psalms and the, the prophets, I mean, they really unloaded on God. Now, I don't think that they were ever disrespectful. And, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, I've never been angry with God. Because he showed me so much mercy as a young foolish sinner. I was raised over in McDowell, and that says a lot. But I, and, and I was saved as a teenager. But God's been very patient to me, very good to me, and blessed me beyond anything I ever imagined could happen in my life and what he's given me and, and taken, with, taken me to. But he can handle your prayers. He can handle anything you want to say to him. He can handle it. He's heard it all. If anyone has heard it all, he's heard it all. So, so we come to him, and, and we, we just need to talk to him. So it's, it's not so much that he has to show us, tell us what to say, which he does in this model prayer here, but it's just just pray. Teach us to pray. Not how to pray, but teach us to pray. Just like I go to the doctor, and he doesn't have to tell me what to do. I know what to do. I just need to do it, right? 
So we just need to do it, okay? Now, here's the thing about prayer is it's not just going to God and giving him a laundry list. God, I want you to do this. And we explain everything to him too, right, when we pray. Like he doesn't know. He doesn't know what to do. So we tell him how to do it and what to do, right? But we go to listen when we pray. We have to be willing that when he tells us something, and he'll often show us right through the word or through a sermon. I'm praying he'll speak to somebody today about some of the things you're going through. But he will speak to us. Then it's our responsibility when he speaks to us. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to ignore it? Are you going to run with it? Are you, are you going to take it and apply it to your life? You know, James tells us that the word of God is like a mirror that we look into. You know, when a man looks into it and he walks away and forget what manner of man he was. You look in the mirror and you've got something hanging out of your nose, you know, and you don't do anything about it, you know, then you still got something hanging out of your nose and people are looking at you going, dude, you know. And the Bible will show us what we need to do, but we have to do something about it, okay? So, so they came to Jesus, and they said, show us how to pray. And you guys know this. When I was in school, believe it or not, uh, we recited the Lord's Prayer every morning in public school. Anybody else do that, right? We recited, and we sang all four stanzas of the Star Spangled Banner, right? And uh, I think we did a lot of that to stall. We did it as slowly, as slowly as we could. You know, I pledge allegiance. We had to drag it out so we wouldn't have to go to class. But Jesus gives this prayer here. He says, when you pray, and I'm not going to elaborate on the prayer, but I want to focus on something in the prayer. When you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed, sacred, holy, blessed above all things is your name. Your kingdom come. We want God's kingdom to come. And I'm just going to do this as in a sidebar right now. Everybody wants things to get back to normal and get nor- get better, right? But as my friend Brian Bichochin said, uh, down in Franklin, uh, Tennessee, somebody's got to be the last generation. And it might not get better. It may not. If we believe we're in the end times, then then get a salvation helmet and hold on because we may be in the end times. But we pray, your kingdom come. And in order for the kingdom to come and the last day's prophecies to be fulfilled and all these things to happen, they're going to happen as God says in His Word, not for us to say, boy, I wish I could go back to the good old days or like it was last two summers ago or whatever. We have to trust God that His kingdom is coming and being fulfilled, and we embrace that and accept it. And as Paul said, that He has a crown of righteousness laid up not only for me, but for all those who love His appearing. Do you love His appearing? Do you want to see Jesus Christ more than anything else? Do you want to be freed from the body of this death and leave this flesh and live in His kingdom with Him for eternity? Well, in order for that to happen, some other things have to happen first. Okay? And it might get rough before it gets better. In fact, it will. So it said, we pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can't pray your will be done unless we're willing to do His will. And lots of times His will means forgiving people, turning from sin, keeping our mouth shut, apologizing, the kind of stuff that He's clear in His Word about. It's our responsibility. God's not going to do it for you. God's not going to go apologize to those people for you. And ask forgiveness for you. It's your responsibility to do those things. And there's a great liberation and a great freedom that we find when we obey his word. So we, so we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Provide for us. Give us this day our daily bread. You know why everybody was panicking last year over toilet paper? Right? Everybody was so afraid that God wasn't going to provide. That's what it came down to. God's not going to meet my needs. God's, God's, going, God's going to hang me out to dry. God's forgotten about me. Well, David said, I've been old. I was young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. 
and receive bacon bread. So we don't have to panic about any of these things. Gas shortages, food, no, we don't have to panic. God is going to take care of his people, okay? And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Is that the hard one? Probably everyone here thinks of someone who's hurt you. Maybe hurt you in a bad way. You know, people always joke about the person. That, they got my parking spot at the Walmart. <laughs> what about betrayal? What about somebody costing you your job? What about somebody interfering in your family or your marriage? Or what about the hard stuff? That's where the real, real forgiveness takes place. And you know, the thing is, Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. Jesus was betrayed. So we forgive. That's, that's essential. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And this is what I want to zone in on right here. Do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Now, why would Jesus tell us that? Why would Jesus tell us to ask our kind, gracious, benevolent, generous, heavenly Father not to lead us into temptation? Would God even do such a thing? He's saying, God, don't lead me into temptation. God, you don't lead me into temptation. Please don't lead me into Why would Jesus say that? Because it's a reality. Because it happens. Following the Lord will lead you into temptation. Some of you are saying, I don't believe that. Well, then you haven't read your Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 4. This is immediately after. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. The fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets was taking place right before their eyes. It says, Jesus said, a greater than, uh, uh, greater than Jonah is here, Right? What did you go out in the wilderness to see? And, they, and, and it was Jesus, John the Baptist was that, was that forerunner that came and baptized the Messiah. The dove came down, landed on Jesus. The voice came from heaven, said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right? I mean, what a glorious, glorious picture. Wouldn't you like to be there? Right? To see that happen. What's the very next thing that happens to Jesus? It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, you English people, Englishers, my son teaches English, there's this thing called a prepositional phrase. You can pull all of those out of this sentence and it still makes sense. And it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit led him to be tempted by the devil. Think about that. How many of you want to be Spirit-led? Now you're not so sure, right? <laughs> right? But when we are following the Lord, there are times when we will be tempted. Okay? So, look what's happened here. Stay with me in Matthew 4. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, that's the devil, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. First thing Satan does is question his calling. Questioning his ministry. If you're the Son of God. Are you the Son of God? Listen, John had said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' ministry was confirmed, affirmed, settled, and solid. And the devil goes, If you're the Son of God. If you really are. And he'll tempt you like that. If you're a Christian. If you're called, if you're anointed, if you're a believer, and then he'll throw in some kind of 
deal he wants to make. And that's what he did here with Jesus. If you're a son of God, you can do whatever you want. You're special. You can turn stones into bread. You can do whatever you want. How many of you really thought when you became a Christian that you could kind of do whatever you wanted? I was the only one that stupid, right? I'm free. I'm free in the Lord. Oh, I can just, I just, and I heard people say that. I'm just free in the Lord to do whatever I want. No, you can't. And it's not because God wants to put you in bondage, but because God wants to lead us in His ways of freedom. And what was the devil doing? He was appealing to Jesus' flesh, His physical weakness. It says when He was hungry, when He was weak, the enemy hits us where it hurts, guys. He's dirty. He hits us when we're angry. And He hits us when we're scared and when we're tired and we're lonely or we're single or we're craving Whatever it is we crave, maybe a bottle or, a, or getting stoned or something. Or, and, and we're weak and we know we're weak and that's when the enemy comes around and he hits us when we're weak. And this was the Son of God. This was Jesus Christ. And he was tempted. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus responds with the written word. I cannot say enough about how important it is for you guys to know the word of God. Know the word of God. And there are so many ways. How many of you have one of these? Everybody got one of these? Probably half the people in here more got one of these. Okay, you know, you can get this thing will read the Bible to you. Okay? There's no excuse. It'll read the Bible to you. You can, you can have someone read it to you, teach it to you, get into God's Word, get God's Word in you, because when you're tempted, what's, what you're going to need is God's Word more than anything else. Not your guts, not your grit, not your courage, not your willpower, not how tough you are or how bad you are, but it's God's Word is what you're going to need to apply to the situation that you're tempted with. This is exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus applied Deuteronomy chapter 8. Some people haven't even read Deuteronomy, much less remember it or quote it. And Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, an Old Testament book, to the devil. Now, if Jesus Christ relies on the Scripture, how much more do you and I need to rely on the Scripture? I mean, we quote all kinds of things, don't we? We get in a jam or whatever, and we quote a funny movie line or a song lyric or whatever, right? And, you know, and everybody kind of chuckles. But those things aren't going to help us when it comes down to it, right? The Word of God, there's power in the Word of God. Because Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. This is not ink and paper. This is not just verbiage. This is not just language. This is the Spirit of God in the Word of God. When you apply the Spirit of God to your situation, it's like God is coming in and He's bringing everything with Him and He's he's intervening in this situation. So Jesus also knew that God's Word, when He quoted this very verse, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that God's Word meets needs beyond our fleshly desires. Jesus didn't just need food at this time. You can do without food. But you can't do without God. You can't do without God's help. We can do without a lot of things. We can do without money. We can do without jobs. We can do without a lot of things, but we cannot do without God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city. We're still sitting Matthew 4 here. 
set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, there he's questioning him again, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels over, charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. It's, like, it's almost like the devil was going, Oh, you like scripture? I like it too. I'll quote Psalm 91 to you. And he quotes the psalm to Jesus. If you're the Son of God. You know he's devil. The devil is dirty. You know that. You know he'll use the Bible against you. He'll use church against you. He'll use religion against you. He'll use religious people, pastors to hurt you, you know, mistreat you. And how many people, probably thousands of people in this area, you go talk to them and they say, I'm not going to church again. Or you don't know what those people did to me. You know how they treated me. They just look at me and judge me. Right? I told Bill Scott, I can tell if people are judgmental just by looking at them. <laughs> Sorry. But a lot of people get mistreated in churches, right? And the devil uses that. The devil goes to church more than most Christians do. He does. He's there. Because he's there to do, to do damage. And he's there to make a problem. So he's quoting the scripture to Jesus. And then Jesus said, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. It's interesting, that word, Pauline, in uh, the, the Greek there, when it says it is written again, it actually means furthermore, or on the other hand, okay? That word is not there just by chance. He's saying, it's like he's saying, yes, it also says... Furthermore, it says, a lot of people like to take this verse or that verse and just hang on to it, and then they don't take other verses to balance it out. Because there's a great Psalm 119 that says, the sum of all thy words is true. Take all the word of God. That's one of the reasons we teach verse by verse with Calvary Chapel. As far as I'm concerned, it's the only way to go, because you get all the scripture. But you have to take all the scriptures together. And so Jesus said, it is also written you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He's saying, Satan, you're messing around where you don't need to be messing. You're trying to tempt God. Don't push him. See, some of, And he's asking Jesus to do this, this crazy thing. Everybody would be really impressed. If Jesus could fly off of the building like Spider-Man or something, people on the street would be going, whoa, this must be the Messiah. Check this out. But you know God doesn't need you to be impressive for, in order for him to use you. It took me a long time to learn that. I thought I had to come in and be a great preacher and have a lot of courage and show off. And God doesn't need any of that. In fact, it's a, it's a stench to Him. If we'll humble ourselves, just be obedient, do the simple things, God will get a lot more mileage out of us than us trying to impress anybody about how religious or impressive we can be in or out of church. Again, the devil is, he's ruthless. He's relentless. He doesn't quit. Took him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now Satan cuts to the chase and tells Jesus what he really wants is for Jesus to worship him. What he really wants is for Jesus to serve him. And he shows him the kingdoms of the world. What did Jesus come for? He came for the world. It's like Satan is saying, I know what you want, Jesus. I'll give it to you if you'll serve me. And he'll do that with us. And he'll do the thing that we desire so much, Satan will tempt us with the thing we desire. Maybe you just want to have a wonderful family. 
Maybe you just want to have a simple life and a marriage or a good job. Or maybe you've got skills, a skill set, you know. Uh, when I was young, I played a lot of music, and, and, and Satan knew I loved music, and, and that was a big temptation for me. You know, maybe there's something else that you're good at or you like, and he'll he will say, hey, compromise a little, just a little, and I'll give you what you want. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew. He said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So Jesus knew, and he resisted the enemy. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And if you read Luke's account of this story in chapter 4, it says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, every temptation, Jesus is tempted in all points as we are, it says, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. You know what that means? Until a better opportunity. He may leave you alone for a while, but he'll catch you when you're tired. He'll catch you when you're angry. He'll catch you when you've been ripped off, or you're weak, or you've lost your job, or your friend stabbed you in the back, or whatever, or, or you get that bad report. He'll, he'll come to you then. See, the Scripture says Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, and that's hard for us to believe because you think of some of the things that you're tempted with and you think, no, surely not Jesus. Well, the, the truth is, and, and I'm sure your, your fine pastors have told you this, that, that all these temptations of Jesus, they boil down to three things, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh was, hey, you're hungry. Take care of your body, you know. And, you know, it, it, can, be, it can be food. It can be sex. It can be laziness. It can be music. It can be comfort, leisure, enjoyment. It's flesh, fun, all right? The lust of the eyes. I used to want, I used to, that one kind of snared me up for a long time. I didn't really fully understand it. But what it really means, it's, it's covetousness. It's greed. You see things and you want them. You see something and you want it. Might be a nice car, might be nice furniture. In my case, might be nice musical instruments. You know, you want a nice home. You see some nice clothes. You know, something, that, or you just want to fill your eyes with things that are pleasant to you. It's like you just want to amass things. And then the pride of life, you want to be known for what you've done, or who you are, how smart you are, how talented you are, what you've accomplished. Maybe years ago, something that you did. When you were young, but you still want to be known for that one thing, you know? Remember that silly movie, Napoleon Dynamite? Remember that? Uncle Rico couldn't get over the big game of 1982, right? He's still there in high school. He's the football star, you know? And some of us are like that, and we still think of the thought, whatever it was way back then in those days, but it's pride of life. And we're tempted to feed those things, the lust of our flesh, our greed, our covetousness, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, our ego, our reputation. Now, th what's amazing to me about this story is that this was the Son of God. Son of God, led by the Spirit, freshly baptized, affirmed by the Father, just starting out in His preaching ministry, in His Father's perfect will, and yet He was tempted in all points as we are. This is Jesus Christ. So, I think what some of us forget, and, and as uh, time has gone on, and I've gotten a little older now, I'm in my 60s, 
I used to always feel like I would be tempted by something sinful. You know? Like, I had a friend, a very sweet fellow, and he loved to fish out in Tennessee, and he was going fishing one day, and he went out to the pier. He kind of came out of the same generation that some of us did, and he looked down on the pier, and there was a bag of pot. Nobody's around. He said, I ain't smoked any weed in years. Wonder what it'd be like. I used to love smoking weed. There it is. Nobody's around. Picked it up, took it out on the boat, fired it up. He didn't have any papers or anything. He had to improvise, but he, but he, but he, and, and he came to me and, and he was in tears. He said, I can't believe I gave in to that. Now, here's what's crazy Satan's probably not going to throw you a bag of pot at your feet. <laughs> Some of you might be wishing he would, but he won't. But you can be in God's perfect will and be tempted. How so, Pastor Chris? You're making lots of money and you're tempted just to blow it on yourself and overlook people that need it. Or you've got a great job. They love you at work, getting promoted, lots of duties. You neglect the home fires. Neglect your spouse. Neglect your kids. You can be in ministry. You can be a pastor, Bible teacher, worship leader. People telling you how awesome you are, how much they love your teaching, how anointed you are. And you just go, yes, tell me more. Right? And and it just feeds your ego. So you can be doing good things, things for the Lord, okay? And even in Christian service, but the enemy will come around and he'll feed your ego. He'll feed your flesh. He'll feed the lust of your eyes. He'll tempt you when you're doing good things, when you're doing the Lord's will even. Can you imagine that? Even when we look at this Lord's prayer and we pray this Lord's prayer and we pray these things, we can doubt that God will provide our daily bread. We pray it, but we kill ourselves working day and night, neglecting folks and everything else, ruining our health because we're afraid God won't provide. I gotta hustle. I gotta I gotta do it. You don't know, you don't understand. I got bills. And maybe are we maybe we're doubting. Or or the hard one there we already talked about is refusing to forgive. Refusing to forgive. We say, You don't understand what they did to me. If you had to go through this, you wouldn't talk like that way, preacher. You don't know what it's like. I know a few things. I've been I've been I've been betrayed. I've been hurt through one of the hardest things I ever went through. It'll be 10 years tomorrow. The pain is there. It's reality. I almost left the ministry over it. My son's sitting here, and I even said, I think about leaving the ministry. Why? Because my heart was so bitter. God can't use me. How can God use somebody like me? I'm too bitter for God to use me. And my son here, was with me. We were down on West End riding around and we were just pl- getting ready to plant the church we're in now. And uh, he said to me, he said, Dad, said, you didn't put yourself into ministry and you can't take yourself out. I said, shut up, you little prophet. <laughs> but, uh, but 
It's not like something Bill Scott would say. See, he's a bad influence on me. <laughs> but, but really, you know, you can be doing God's will and be tempted. The enemy will come around and try to sidetrack you, try to blindside you, try to discourage you, try to get you to quit. He will because he doesn't want you to succeed. And that's what the temptation is all about, isn't it? Or the final one, the final bit. He says here, you know, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, not my will. Not my will, but yours be done. That's hard, isn't it? Because we all know what we want. We got it mapped out. You got a retirement plan? You know what you want. You, you, got, you, you know what you want. But are you willing to say, God, is it what you want? Is it what you want? Because we all want our own way. We do. We want our own way. And that's what Satan wanted. He wanted his own way. He said, I will be like the Most High. I will sit in the sides of the north. Right? He wanted his own way. And you can come to church. You can write a big check. You can sing. You can preach. But if you just want your own way, that's not surrendered to the will of the Father. And that's what Jesus showed us. That was his great example, to be surrendered to the will of the Father. Now, I want, I want to look at one, one quick little verse here, or passage here. It's just, I don't, I'm, uh, y'all usually finish by 11.30, is that right, Bill? Is that, no? We good? We all right? Okay. I'll, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. 20 and you're, you might be wondering where I'm going with this. Um, in Acts chapter 20, and uh, I told my wife when I was coming over here this weekend that um, I, I, I didn't want to come just give you guys a Bible study or, or come in and you know try to. I, I, I wanted to be a pastor today, and, and what I mean by that is, is is I know I know just you know I stay in touch with Bill and Connie, and I know the church is, you know goes through a lot, you know. And I was tell, talking about your family, been praying for your family over here. Eddie's having surgery today, and, you know. And I, I, hopefully, I'll come to bring you guys some something that's useful and helpful that will be that bring you some comfort. And and I just want us to remember that the root word of the word comfort is fort. When we give people comfort, we don't pity them. We go, bless your little heart. I'm so sorry you're going through your stuff. Let me comfort you and pat you on the head. That's not comfort. Comfort is fortification. Be fortified. Be strengthened. Put on the armor of God. Walk in His ways. Take the shield of this, the, uh, the faith and the sword of the Spirit and the helmet of salvation. And go and stand. This is spiritual warfare. It's not time for any of us to curl up in a ball and say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I heard on the news that they're going to make me do this. and that. So what? So what? What did Jesus say? So we stand in these things, okay? So Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Paul was traveling through, and this is one of his last journeys through this area, and, and he, he goes to a town called Miletus, and he's sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, um, and skipped it down to verse 29, he said, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up 
and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, for the last few minutes, I've been talking to you about personal temptation, individual temptation. But now I want to talk to you as a body of Christ, as a church body, okay? That there are temptations that will come to a church body. And Paul addresses it right here. He says in um, verse... um, 29, he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, of course, he's talking a lot about false teachers that come in. How do they come in these days? They come in through YouTube. They come in through podcasts. They come in through popular books and webcasts and every kind of false teaching that's around. And you have to be very, very careful to hold on to the sound doctrine and the true doctrine that your pastors are teaching you. Okay, you might even sometimes people feel like, oh, the government, you know, oh, they're making me do this. You know, the the, the masks or the vaccine or whatever these kind of things are. And it's coming in from outside and it divides and it causes fear and it causes frustration. And we're tempted again. Remember, we're talking about tempted. God, don't lead me into temptation. God, I don't want to be tempted, but but we're going to be tempted. Okay, temptation doesn't stop. The rest of your life, you're going to be tempted. But what are you going to do when you are tempted? That when these things come in, and how many of you have been angry about the last year and a half? Anybody been angry? Just me, okay? You've been angry? Anybody been afraid? Anybody been afraid? Let's be honest. Anybody been confused? Don't know what's going on, right? Bewildered, you know? We watch this channel, you watch this channel, and this pastor says this, and this pastor says that, and these people say, I ain't going to come to church if you make me wear a mask. And these other people say, I ain't coming to church if, if, if we don't wear masks, right? And then, then so you can't please people, right? You can't. So what do you do? You please the Lord. You please, and, and don't get distracted by all these things. So all these things will come in, false doctrines, false teachers. I'm going to tell you guys right now, so much false stuff out there. Some of the best-selling music, some of the best-selling books, some of the most popular teachers that are on YouTube and the web and everywhere else and on TV, they're false. It's doctrines of demons, Stick to the Word of God. Now, when these things come in, we can be tempted to take matters into our own hands. And that's called flesh. And the Scripture is very clear when it says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We can get mad. We can get angry. We can buy a gun. And I don't have anything against guns, but a gun is not going to fight spiritual warfare for you. You know, Paul's very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. This is what's going to help us. And this is the answer, is the Holy Spirit. In verse 30, he says, Also, from among yourselves men will rise up. This is one of the most insidious and the more insidious, because if you see these pe- those people out there, wherever they be, you go, Do you hear what that one said? Watch out for that guy. But if somebody comes to your Bible study or your home group and it's your brother-in-law or somebody you like and somebody in your prayer group and they brought in a new book, oh, you should listen to this. Oh, you should read this. Oh, you should check this out. From among themselves, it says they rise up and they speak perverse things. And perverse just doesn't mean nasty. It means it's, it's bent. It's crooked. It's not correct. It's not right. And why do they do this? Verse 30 tells us to draw away the disciples after themselves they don't want you to follow the Lord they want you to follow them they want you to be in their group why are there so many church splits honestly why are there so many church splits 
because some guy is dry, is drawing other people to himself and starting some church over here or some church over where, and nobody sent them. They just did it because they're mad or they didn't get their way. Man, y'all are quiet. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, th- it's, it's, it's true. False and errant teachers always attract troubled people. Think of that. False and errant teachers always attract trouble preacher. And if you're mad at John, right, and some weird guy comes in and starts teaching you, and you say, I like this guy better than John anyway. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm mad at John. You know, he told me the truth, and I didn't want to hear it. So I'm going to go with this guy because he tells me what I want to hear. And, you know, and John always tells me stuff I don't like, you know, like about being holy and stuff, you know. And so troubled people will always follow these troublemakers. And we're tempted to follow these guys. It's a temptation. Itching ears. Following after these guys instead of sticking to the sound doctrine. When I was a young man, I was very foolish and silly. And I, I went into a church and and they were asking people if they wanted prayer for help and anything. And I said, yeah, I want you guys to pray for me. I'll never forget. It was the summer of 1980. I just turned 20 years old. And, and they said, what do you need, brother? And I said, I'm just tempted all the time, and I want the temptation to stop. Pray that I won't be tempted anymore. Now, that was a silly thing to pray, but the sad thing is, is the church I was in was so unhealthy. They said, we're going to pray that right now for you, brother. Well, guess what? It didn't work. You know, we're going to be tempted from here on out. You know, it says that the devil left Jesus till a more opportune time. You know, Jesus was tempted on the cross. If you're the Christ, save yourself and us. He saved others himself he cannot save. Right? Up to the very end. But Jesus held true. And how did he do it? Because he'd been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need is the Holy Spirit. You're not going to overcome in this Christian life by being just a good person. And you're not going to overcome by coming to church or doing religious things. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit so that we don't sin against others. Because every time we give in to temptation, truth is we're sinning. We're sinning. Because you can either you can either just give up. Ever been tempted just to give up and quit? Or you can take matters into your own hands and say, I'll fix this. Anybody ever done that and made a big mess? Huh? Right? Or what's our third option? Give it to the Lord. And say, Lord, you told me to forgive this person. Lord, you told me to tell the truth. Lord, you told me to pay them back. I don't mean like this. I mean pay them back like this. You know? Lord, you told me to keep my word. Go do what I said I was going to do. Lord, you told me to stop doing this sinful thing I've been doing. Stop covering it up and start hiding. You know, I love it. There's a verse in James that says, uh, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. A lot of folks come into church and they act like everything's okay when it's not. And they're still hiding stuff, still covering stuff up, still, you know, and just, if we, if we could just learn, and, and look, don't stand up here and confess all your sins in front of the church. Go to John. Go to Bill. Go to one of these sisters, ladies. 
get to, and just, just say, pray for me. I need your help. But most of all, we need the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit. And not what you think the Holy Spirit is. And I think this is really important. Because you watch TV and you see some guy smacking people with a sport coat, you know, and you think that's the Holy Spirit. Or you see some guy running laps around a church building, hooping like an Indian. Hey, y'all don't know where I've been. I've seen some weird stuff. Okay? That's not the Holy... Listen, the Spirit of Jesus... Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Listen. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Why did Jesus say you would have the Holy Spirit? He said, He said, you, the, He will testify of me, of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is given to us to teach us about Jesus and to make us like Jesus. Okay? So don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't judge the Holy Spirit by some weird thing you saw on television or at some camp meeting somewhere. Be open to what God wants to do in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit and know that He wants to change you into the image of His Son. He wants to empower you to live this life because it's hard. He knows it's hard. He was tempted in all points as we are. And it's hard. It's hard at work. It's hard with your family. Hey, i got relatives. I've worked a job. I pay bills. I'm like the rest of you guys. I live in the same country. You know? But we need the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit. Even just keep our hearts pure. So we don't... We were saying earlier... Somebody said, you have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You have to have the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I'm going to tell you why. Because you go to Walmart, and you, oh, there's that person over there. I hope they don't see me. I can't stand him. You don't know what they did. You know, or, oh, him money. I better, right, or whatever, right. We need the Holy Spirit to deal with people. People are difficult. At least so I hear, right? And we need the Holy Spirit, guys, because if we don't, we'll do, we'll do, like I said, we'll do one of two things. We'll give in to the temptation or we'll give up. And neither, neither one of those is an option. It's not an option. The only option we have as disciples of Jesus is to let Him lead us by His Spirit. Ask Him to fill you with His Spirit. My wife was filled with the Spirit alone driving in her car. You know, being some big dramatic coliseum full of folks. Ask Jesus to give you His Holy Spirit so you can be equipped to do the things He's called you to do. That's why we have His Spirit. It's so we can do the things that He's asked us to do. And remember, He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He's called us to Himself. I love that verse. I want to finish. That verse that says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. If you need junk hauled off at your house, you don't care who does it, do you? As long as they don't steal something. You can, you can you'll get on Craigslist or you can get somebody to come to your house and haul off your junk, cut your weeds, whatever you need. It's a servant. You don't care. But your friends, you say, I found this place. I want to take you out to eat. Man, you won't believe it. I want you to come with me because you're my buddy and I love you and we're going to go. We're going to have a good time. We're going to go fishing together. 
You know, I want you to come check this out with me. I want, I want you, see, you get your friends to enjoy things with you that you love. You get them to come to your house. You you tell them your you tell them your stuff. You tell them what's really going on with you, and you include your friends. Jesus said, "I don't call you servants anymore. I call you my friends." Jesus wants us close to His heart to understand. And that's how we're going to understand Jesus is with the power of the Holy Spirit to know Jesus and know what He's like and understand Him and understand what he wants to do about all these difficult people that he loves so much. Because he loves them more than we do. He really does. Father, I thank you for this day today. I thank you for reminding us that no matter where we are, we're going to be the target of the enemy. He stalks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But Lord, your word also tells us that we have the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I pray, Lord, for everyone here that we would receive of your Spirit, accept your Spirit, listen for your voice. You said, my sheep hear my voice and will not follow the voice of a stranger. Lord, we don't have to worry about being deceived. We can know you. We can love you. We can understand you. And you want it for us. Lord, you know there are people here struggling, going through hardships and tough times. We do lift up our brother Eddie. So blessed just to think of him. And we used to sing that song, I lift my hands to the coming king, and Eddie would sit back there and lift his hands, and I would just be, just my heart would break because of his humility and his love for you. So thank you, Lord, for your love for us today, for drawing us together. And we just love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I want to just ask if there's anyone here today and, and you want personal prayer, uh, I'm happy to pray with you. And uh, I know Bill and John will. Maybe you just say, I need the Holy Spirit or I need to be saved. Maybe there's somebody here today and you go, you know, I'm really not walking with the Lord. I've just been coming to church or whatever and I don't really know that I'm born again. And you need to know that. If there's anybody here, we're not going to embarrass you or put on a show or anything. We're, I'm just going to be, I'm going to sit up here on the front row and if you want to come pray for me to pray for you, I will. And I know John and Bill will be uh, doing that too, okay? And, uh, I don't know how you guys close your service, but uh, I'll be up here to pray if anybody wants to.